Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. Good morning. Good evening. Whatever. People, good afternoon. Depends on when you're watching it. Right. That's a, that was a dead giveaway. This is pre-recorded, but that's okay. I don't think we're hiding it anymore. No. Uh, how you doing? I'm I'm good. It's been uh, it's been a little hectic lately, but it's all good. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. It, it happens. Last week we had uh, you know the wedding. Uh, my brother-in-law Kurt and Micaiah got married. That went well. Uh, we even live streamed it, so that made it. Uh, extra fun so that was a big deal and then there was cleaning up after a wedding that's also a big deal so it was uh this i think everybody's looking forward to you know down shifting a gear this yeah, week. A little bit. we were actually we were supposed to travel i think that's so we didn't do the podcast last week because uh alice and i were supposed to go out um to phoenix for a uh, a vineyard leadership team meeting and we went to catch our flight sunday night in key west and it was so chaotic down there, and they got so backed up that um, our flight ended up being uh, like four hours delayed, which messed up all of the connecting things and um, uh, caused me to just not go. So uh, <laughs> I was like, when home is like twenty, thirty. Yeah, minutes I'm away, like, oh, I'm done. Like, okay, uh, yeah. Whatever. So uh, we were sad. We were going uh, as well as a meeting. We were going to see some good friends. We were sad about about that, but uh, you know, it happens. And uh, We'll get out there again at some point, but uh, we just chucked it in and came home. And uh, and you got to be at the wedding. I did. That was fun. I'm glad we could do that. And so we've been uh, running around. Still, lots of projects going on. That and, you know, we got the big stuff done in the sanctuary now. And now we're sort of shifting gear and we're doing work out in the foyers and a couple of other areas just to uh, continue sort of redoing everything. We're getting ready. And um, so we've been working hard on that and continue to do that. And we're going to be reworking the classrooms here soon. Yep. It's exciting. All, oh. that, uh, all that keeps things kind of popping. And uh, well, our new food trucks, they're under, under construction. So we're very excited about that. that. Hopefully, initially it was supposed to be the end of May. It probably won't be, but yeah, well, won't, we'll see. hopefully but it won't be too long. We don't know how fast they work. No. But, uh, yeah, anyway, great week. Uh, excited about this weekend, and I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, you know, this weekend after our questions. But uh, if you're ready, why don't we dive into our Vine Press questions. Let's We've do got it. Some good ones this week. In Numbers, Chapter 5, a woman was singled out to be tested for unfaithfulness, whereas a man was not tested. Do you believe that women were generally treated unfairly in the Old Testament? Generally, sure, yes. But, you know, let me say that and clarify, not by God. But, um, uh, yeah, um, you know, that whole sort of thing about there's a, there's a test for, uh, that was um, the test to see if a woman was unfaithful or not, but not for the man. And, and that doesn't seem to have any, you know, what's the equity in that? And the, the thing is, the, um, in the Jewish way of doing things back then, there really um, wasn't a thing as an unfaithful husband. There was, they, were, they, were, they, they weren't supposed to... Um, uh, engage with uh, a married woman, that would be adultery, and they have definite issues with that. But um, as far as, you know, we see that they would have sometimes multiple wives and concubines, and that was seemingly okay. Um, but the women were not allowed that, and you you might wonder why. Some of that has to do with protecting the lineage, as I understand it, um, because the, the lineage is so important in... Um, Ultimately, knowing you know uh, how that 
moves through and, and the family lines were important with regards to everything in the Old Testament and how the how things stayed in the family. And so um, that, that was sort of the, the, uh, the woman's uh, thing was that she had to remain faithful so that the, the lineage remained faithful. And the same thing wasn't on the, the uh, men technically. Now remember, um, from the time of the fall... Um, the power of sin and the power of death enter the scene, and nothing then is the way that it it was intended to be. Um, so all of these things, and even as you're reading through, uh, you know, you start reading past, in effect, Genesis 3.15, you're dealing, you're seeing how God is dealing with the consequences of the fall. So all these things are in there, are are not the, the way they would have originally been, um, but now you have to deal with the fact that sin and death have, are on the scene. And how how do they get dealt with? And so this is as you start reading through, you know, uh, Numbers and and uh, Deuteronomy and all those things, uh, Leviticus. Um, it's 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 God working with what's here, but it's not the way it's going to be. And and you know, we we get a taste of that with Jesus, uh, and then ultimately everything will be set right and everything will be changed when Jesus comes back. But um, yeah, there was uh, a lot of unfairness, I would say, in in that. Although the the um, the Judeo Christian value is certainly um, uh, esteems women um, more than just about any other system that was going on in there and and uh, and so again you know Paul tells us that it should all be equal we shouldn't have these things obviously we're different and we've talked about that here before but um, but no that wasn't uh, it, there certainly was some unfair treatment going on uh, as far as you know position and, and um, uh, Jesus has rectified some of that, and certainly when he comes back, all of that will get straightened out. All right. You know, because I was thinking, uh, too, uh, just in John 8, you, you can see you know, some, some of the hypocrisy with the Pharisees cause with the woman caught in adultery, because she's the only one that's dragged into it. You know, right. It takes two to tango. There you go. Whereas, so, uh, you, you, yes, so to, I hope that sort of answers your question. But doesn't... Um, doesn't like pin it back on then God doesn't care about women. Absolutely not true. We're dealing with the consequence after the fall. Sin and death have entered the scene. Everything is different. And um, until Jesus has come and then come again is what it takes to rectify all of that. So there you go. All right. Next question. In your sermon, you said you thought everybody had a choice about whether to believe in Jesus. Do you think Pharaoh had a choice since God says he will harden Pharaoh's heart over and over? Or how about Judas? Uh, Matthew 27, 3 through 10 says Judas was remorseful and said he had sinned before he hung himself. Like one thief on the cross, do you think he really repented? He seems to have been caught up in fulfilling prophecy. Could Paul have resisted Jesus after his experience on the way to Damascus? Yeah, so, you know, the question here is always about choice. And I, I think we, get, we have the choice to make if we're going to follow, follow Jesus or not. That was what I was trying to say. I, I believe that we've all had the choice. Um, and when it comes down to Pharaoh, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but on, with Pharaoh, the hardness of heart, um, re- remember, Pharaoh was an evil person who had decided to try and wipe out all of the, the male Hebrew children. You know, he's a, uh, and he believed himself to be God. And, so, uh, and he had ample opportunity 
to see God at work in the ten plagues and stuff. And he, he was just at the point where that wasn't going to change. And also, you know, understand that God sees things differently too, because he, he can see outside of time. So he knew ultimately what the condition of Pharaoh's heart was going to be. And, uh, we could record it that way. You know, Judas, um, you know, I think the question becomes when at the end there was, it was, was he remorseful? Is, was he repentant? I don't know. Uh, and, and that's something between him and God. Now, fascinatingly, and this is way off topic, um, when, when we read this, we see it one way culturally, but Eastern culture, when they read what Judas did there, when he hanged himself, they kind of see that as an honorable end because they, you know, they have a whole different way of, of right. uh, dealing with and looking at um, that historically. And so culturally, we look at things differently. Um, in there, I don't, you know, I, that would have to be between him and God about whether he was really repentant or not and what that looks like. Because um, remorse and repentance are different. And even acknowledging sin is different than repenting. You know, there's, there's, you can, yeah, okay, fine, I sinned. But repentance means we Changing. get that back to God and we, yeah. we change, right? And we, we, we ask him to help us deal with it. So, um, so there's that. Could Paul every day? Yeah, I think Paul could have resisted Jesus if he'd have wanted to. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day with Paul, and you know, Paul was Paul was zealous for God, and and um, he was pursuing Him in what he thought was truth, um, but he he was missing the bigger truth, and he was so caught up in his way of seeing things that he was missing what God was doing. And I, I think it's interesting that. Um, you know, it, it takes him being blinded in order to see. And um, there's something going on with that in that whole process. But could he? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he could have. I don't know why he would have wanted to because he was someone who wanted truth. But, um, but yeah, he, God certainly had his attention uh, there. And, and you know, I'm, it's, we're blessed that, that uh, he did, and you know, because look at what he's done. I mean, you know, Paul really has written a big chunk of the New Testament for us and helped us with uh, all sorts of issues and and guidance. And he's brilliant. I mean, I I love reading Paul. I'm, I've been deep diving in Romans again, and uh, it's just amazing. The 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 brilliance of Paul is is amazing, and how he how God used him to tie things together scripturally uh, because of his knowledge of the Old Testament and his his um, his ability to think. Uh, he, he just is able to pull so many things in that, um, you know, that it's great that we have those connections and can see them. So, so yeah, good. All right. Next one. Since, uh, this is the question saying this, since Adam and Eve didn't start a family until after the fall, would any of us be here if they never sinned? Could God have accomplished his vision with just the two of them? Yeah, so um, here's, here's how I would think about that. The way that we see that story uh, conveyed to us in Genesis um, is, isn't necessarily taking into account the way time passed. And I'm, by that, what I mean is this. Um, we, we have no idea how long Adam and Eve were in the garden um, before the fall. The way it reads, it, it was like that. And I, I, I wonder that that's really the case. I think it's very possible that they had begun their mission of being fruitful and multiplying, and and that there there were children because when um, when one of the sons, when Cain is kicked out, um, there's people out there, 
Uh, and so, you know, uh, my thinking is that, that they had begun their mission of subduing and multiplying, and then the fall happens. And then, um, you know, uh, then everything falls apart. So we don't know how long that time period was. But if you think about a, um, an extremely fertile couple, um, you know, it, it would not take long to start making population. Um, and, and then at some point there's the fall. That's how I sort of look at it. Uh, so uh, I, 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 no, I, I don't think that it was ever intended that there was just going to be two people. Because uh, the mission was to be fruitful and multiply. It was always going to be, this is how it was going to happen. So, good, good question. Uh, here's another question. Nancy G. posted a question during the live stream Sunday morning. When the earth is renewed and all believers from all time are living here, will it be a little crowded? I don't know how, I don't know how many believers there are from all time. Um, you know, it's certainly not going to be the entire population of all time because people have had to choose to believe or not. And so you're, you're paring down that number by some percentage. Uh, I would say it was pretty significant. Um, and also, the, the planet, you know, so right now there's billions of people on the planet, right? And one something? less mosquito. Yeah. <clears throat> billions of people. Billions. And there's still room. I mean, it, you know, I, I know some places are, but we, you travel around and you see vast expanses of area with no people. Uh, and um, so now I, I think it'll be just fine. And, we, you know, we only... The need system's going to be different when God's in control, too. Like, th there's, there's no need. It's, we'll have yeah. everything we need. And so every, it's it's going to be, like, our priorities change, yeah, right? Yeah, everything changes. And we don't really know. Again, we haven't seen the planet renewed. Yes. And so we've only seen it post-fall, right? Post-mess and post-flood. and post. So who knows? I mean, there could be way more land mass than there is now. I don't know how that works. Um, I look forward to seeing it. I think it's going to be cool. Now, there'll be plenty of room. And, and uh, you know, I, would, I, I think the hope would be that, uh, you know, if, if our hearts are right, we'd, we'd go with a little crowded. Um, because well, we we want the we well, want as many. It's such a negative thing with crowds too. Like yeah. you know, somebody says an area is crowded. What do you think of? I think of like TSA security lines at an airport. Yeah, and that's stressful. Or, you know, but I I think it'll just be fun. It'll be like you're at a party yeah, with yeah. all your people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And there's going to be enough room, and yeah. you know, you and, and we won't have all the mess that we're dealing with, all the guilt right. and the shame and the it's brokenness just, and the you, you know the stuff that adds to all of the difficulties that. We face and you know our own messes. It won't be there anymore. So no, there'll be there'll be just just plenty enough room. It'll be it'll be a wonderful thing. All right, good, great question. Next one: Why couldn't a disabled, blind, uh, etc. priest offer food to God on the altar or come near to the curtain? Uh, they're referencing Leviticus twenty-one sixteen through twenty-three. Uh, this person's reminded of all the prejudice and discrimination that we sometimes see throughout history. For people who have disabilities, I, I, this whole idea would be that they, they, the the person representing us um, would would be a, a sort of a picture of Jesus, uh, who would be you know perfect, um, and that they would fall well short. But that those things were in there. Uh, it's like when um, when they had to choose a lamb 
for the Passover sacrifice, I had to choose one that was, you know, without spot or blemish or defect. It's the same, always pointing at when Jesus comes, he's going to be perfect without sin. And in, in that way, he's going to be able to be the sacrifice that we needed him to be uh, and the offering that we needed him to be. So it's, it's pointing forward at that picture. It's not, um, it wasn't a, a way of, um, uh, you know, trying to be prejud- you know, prejudicial in any way. It was... Uh, it was just this picture of, you know, uh, the perfect sort of sacrifice that was going to come in Jesus. All right. Next one. Uh, this person's currently reading in Hebrews about our perfect priest and the holy priesthood. And the order of Melchizedek keeps being mentioned. Uh, they went back to Genesis and they read Abram's encounter with Melchizedek. Uh, but it never explains what the order of Melchizedek is. Could you enlighten them, please? Sure. It's great. Uh Melchizedek was a king of Salem, which is now, which is Jerusalem. And and so Abram honors him with a a tenth, an offering, uh, way back then. And, And the writer of Hebrews connects Jesus' priesthood with that of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek, the Bible says, you know, they don't know where he begins and ends. All of these are pictures of Jesus coming. Um... The Levitical priesthood was not um, it wasn't sufficient to save, right? It, um, it you know, if, if if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. It couldn't be. It it, it sort of dealt with it. It was a temporary measure with sin, and and that sacrifice had to keep being offered, offered, and offered. Um, and so, you know, be, be through the Levitical process, people could be in relationship with God. Um, but it wasn't sin hadn't the power of sin wasn't dealt with. Let's put it that way. There was it was sort of a band aid, if you would. Um, our priest Jesus, and, and the idea of a priest is someone is a mediator between between us and God. Um, so the Levitical priest temporary, but they would die, and that would stop, and then a new one would come, and it was over and over, and the constantness of the um, sacrifices was there, but. Jesus, because he doesn't die, never going to die. I mean, he you know, defeated death, rose again. Um, he's a picture of, of in Melchizedek that way because we don't know how Melchizedek began and ended because um, it doesn't tell us in Scripture. So it's a picture again of Jesus, and then and then Jesus comes as the one-time offering and the actual actual priest um, who is better than the Levitical priesthood because they it was that wasn't sufficient to say, but. What he's done is sufficient because of who he is and what he's done. And so it sort of is pointing um, away from a Levitical priesthood into this uh, priesthood of Melchizedek, if you would, uh, which is all about, really about, you know, um, one that's not ever going to end and is more than sufficient to take care of the situation that we had and, and overcomes both the power of sin and the power of death. All right, great explanation on that. Uh, this one starts off with a verse, and it's Ephesians one eighteen. Uh, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Uh, The word enlightened has always been a very new age term to this person asking the question. So to read it in the Bible, they're not sure how to look at this word in context. Can you explain what it means? And is it a universal truth? Does it mean to be fully present and filled with love? I think it's a good question. I think the word... um Means to to make to see. It's a it's a it's a picture of, you know, the eyes of our heart being being really able to grasp. You know, in the heart not being the the organ that pumps, but the sort of 
center, the control panel of who you are, that we're able to see, that, that our eyes are open to see what we need to see about who God is and what he's done and what that looks like and all those things. Um, and, you know, the New Age movement has hijacked some really good words uh, <laughs> from the Bible and tried to make them something else, like the very term New Age. You know, um, uh, the, the Bible talks about this present age and a, and a new age. Now, I, because of the hijacking by that movement, I, I, I refer to it as the age to come, so people don't confuse it. But it could be said the same thing, and and uh, and, and yet, you know, it means complete, two completely different things to someone in the in the new age movement. That is, you know, uh, you know, something where everything works, and you know, God is in everything. Uh, you know, we could we could dig into that. That. Uh, you know, that's why they have crystals and all the other stuff that goes on. But we understand that story that, that um, you know, it's about Jesus and, and how God's plan to restore us and reconcile us and all that. And that, I talked about this last Sunday a little, and I've talked about it extensively in the past, that we live in the tension between these two ages, the age to come and this present evil age. And so um, the age to come is been inaugurated at the cross, it'll be consummated when Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back, this present evil age will be dealt with. And that'll be gone. And now we'll, then we'll be living in you know, the, the age to come. So, um, there are some, uh, let's just say, terms in the Bible that have been hijacked. And you need to make sure that when, you, when you're reading them, you understand them to, you know, biblically. And also that uh, sometimes people are saying things that sound like they're Bible and they're not. They've Twisted. They just, mean, it just mean, enough. means something completely different to them. So, great. Again, great questions. All of those were great questions. And we'll see, like, biblical hijackings in pop culture, too. Oh, yeah. You know, there's lots of stuff in, like, you know, even just in, like, Star Wars and stuff. We all love Star Wars, but it yeah. it takes stuff from the sure. Bible. And, yeah, you know. sure. Um, I have spoken. Yeah. That's, <laughs> they did not come up with that themselves. <laughs> but anyway, well, before we begin our uh, discussion on the theology of Star Wars, let's get to this weekend's sermon. Are you ready? Part four this weekend, right? You want to give us a little teaser as to what? Yeah, you know, you could you could read Colossians chapter one if you want, and uh, it's again talking about Jesus and how he's everything is being summed up in him and what that means. And I, I want to keep sort of. Uh, Moving in that direction, you know, we've been we've been teasing out this idea for a few weeks. It takes a while to to uh, to get to these thoughts in twenty minute chunks, and and, um, and so you know, last week I talked about well, two weeks ago I talked about us being small working models of new creation, and then we talked about temple last week, and we're the temple now because Holy Spirit dwells in us individually and corporately as a church, and um, I want to build on that. Last week, the, the big question I'm going to ask. At the end of next week, is um, is is it you know I, I, for a lot of us I would say that our our guiding question has been kind of how do I get to heaven, and um, we've looked at life that way, and yet the bigger picture is what does it mean to me that heaven is coming to earth, and. That starts to change things, and I, I, I've been asking that, but I, I, I'm going to we'll focus in on it. If when you when you if you're looking at life as though I've got this this life, and then sweet by and by is heaven, I'm done. It's no big, you know, yay, whatever that looks like to you. Um, I think it checks you out of being engaged in this life, and and you've already begun your eternal life, and so so it it should excite us and motivate us and stir us 
and um, give us great hope that that there's so much more coming, and, and that we need to look at that way. And, and I think a lot of uh, just over time, that part of it has been taken away from us, and we we've ended up at the wrong endpoint. And I think when so I keep talking about getting the end. I'm trying to shift everybody's endpoint, and it's not easy. Because there's so much ingrained in the way that we think that to take that on is significant, and you, you really have to press into it to take it on, but then it changes things. So that's what's coming. Great. Looking forward to it. How about you? What do you got on the set for this week? Yeah, so uh, we're excited to have Pastor Billy and Pastor Angie back this weekend. Nice. They have rested and recuperated, and they'll be with us this weekend. Uh, per my son Reed's request, uh, Billy is doing Battle Belongs. He's been asking for it for the last few weeks, so... I always try to give my kids uh, some say in the song selection, so uh, he'll be leading with that. And a little child shall lead them. That's right. That's I, I love it when they pick out songs. He, you know, usually picks out pretty good songs too. Uh, then, <laughs> Pastor Angie is going to be leading "King of My Heart." It's a great song. Sort of a, it's like a modern classic. That's how I would put that one. It's just so classic, but you know, still fairly new. And then uh, I'm bringing one, "Come Thou Fount." Above all else, it's the uh, Shane and Shane version should be good. I love that. That's a come yeah, thou fount it, it, yeah, of yeah. every blessing. Good. Yeah, I like doing it. that. And then I'll tag it uh, with the Maverick City song, Fill the Room, should be fun. And my wife, Kimberly, will be ending with Jesus, You Alone from Highlands Worship. So that is our set for this weekend. And the keys flow really nicely. That's my favorite thing. When the musical keys all just kind of go together smooth. Sometimes you'll have a weird change where you go from like the key of F the key of uh, like A or D and those like we make them happen but it's not as much fun as when they all just kind of flow nicely together good I'm excited about that worship was great last weekend thank you uh, uh, and uh, has been and look forward to coming in the presence of God and I, I think that's it we, we could uh, thank you for your vine press questions you know if yes. you're watching and you know didn't submit you can check out the app download the app as well give Please. a nice five star review yes. but you can submit your questions there and, um, yeah, so, I mean, that was it. Thank you guys for submitting the questions that did, and we'll see you this weekend. Yep. Goodbye, Vineyard. God bless Bye. you. Filling some air. My button didn't work. I'll probably leave this in. It's kind of funny when we fail, or when I fail in particular. Yeah, you're good. I just got to press this button.